0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring.
1: Thank you very much. Good to see you. Thank you. The uh, audience getting closer to the stage today, slightly moving forward gradually, if you're listening at home, still mostly sitting far away. Um, this is Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rehefp. Good. Uh, and uh, all the, now the cool kids go, Rehef. That is, if you're cool, that's what you have to say. Uh, You don't shout it. Uh, That's what happened yesterday. But uh, uh, yes, it's. um, uh, I'm quite hungover. Uh, (coughs) Lost my voice. I did uh, karaoke circus last night, and uh, which is an amazing uh, show. It's on tonight as well. If you get a chance to go down there, Um, I sang "Down in the Tube Station at Midnight" uh, by The Jam. Should I do it all for you now? No. Uh, (laughs) Went a bit wrong because they didn't have all the lyrics on the sheet. I knew it. I shouldn't have. I was. I became trapped in the sheet, and I knew the lyrics myself. And then I realised something was wrong. Oh well. let it go, Rich. No one cares. Tim Vine was amazing. He dressed up as Elvis in a plastic uh, jumpsuit. You've got to go there. It's amazing. It's amazing. Self, ind- comedians being self-indulgent. More self-indulgent than usual. <laughs> Imagine how awful that is. Uh, but it was it's it terrific. But on the on my way out of my gig last night, <coughs> I bumped into Rod Gilbert and a friend of mine. And that was kind of I didn't know he was in town. That was a nice surprise. And then I talked to him for a bit. And then as I walked around the corner, I saw uh, uh, Pete Hornberger from Thirty Rock. Who Does anyone watch 30 Rock? I mean, we've been watching 30 Rock all fringe. <laughs> That's pretty much all I've been doing. And suddenly it was like I'd conjured him up. He's there. <laughs> I had a kind of weird gig where I was like super aware of all sounds. So there was a sound right at the back of the room. I could hear it really close, like I had spidey senses or stuff. So I thought maybe I'm... I was kind of fearing last night during the show. I may be going mentally ill. Uh, I was fearing during the show, it's very, uh, it was very kind of intimidating having you sitting there on your own, staring at me. I don't have to tell you. right in front of me, just staring at me. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of, I can't, the worst thing, I think the worst super sense you could get as a comedian would be to hear all of the audience's thoughts. That would be, the, that would be hell. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I kind of, I was so amazed as I walked past him. I don't usually get starstruck. I talk to Rod Gilbert, he's on telly. I'm going to talk to Ahmed Gidi later. I'm not impressed by him, uh, but, uh, but, but Pete Hornberger. Uh, it's called—I don't even know his real name, Scott something. I didn't even know he was in town, and he had a beard. But I walked past him, and I literally I went, my mouth went open, and I kind of—I was too—I was too kind of astonished even to go famous uh, as he passed, uh, which uh, happened to me on the bridge the other day. Uh, so, uh, but it kind of my girlfriend loves that show so much, I should have kind of just gotten to take a photo of me. But I bet he would have gone fuck off. I'm really nice. I always let people take photos unless I'm in a hurry. Uh, so, uh, but that would be karma. So that was very exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, the news has been quite... I, I forgot to talk about this yesterday, but the, uh, Richard Branson, Ian Virgin, as I call him, his, uh, his uh, house has burnt down on Necker Island. I'm not saying it's connected to the time that there was shit in the conditioner at the gym. <laughs> but I Just don't cross me, is what I'm saying. I say, that's all I'm saying. I was not going to say I had anything to do. I was I've got an alibi. I was here in Edinburgh. But I've got power. God, you know, he he moves in a mysterious way. If some people believe earthquakes an earthquake in Washington, that's kind of God showing mild displeasure about what's going on in Libya, but not enough to cr- kill anyone, just going, "Ooh, you naughty Americans." Uh <laughs> I think he would do worse if he was angry. But yeah, that's what. But and Kate Winslet was in the house. Did you see this story? And um She carried Richard Branson's 90-year-old mother, helped carry her out of the flaming building, and she said, It was like being in a film. I was just waiting for the director to call cut. I don't know if Kate Winslet's mentally ill, but it sort of (laughs) sounds like she doesn't know. She can't differentiate life. The only way she can find out if something's real or acted is if a director shouts cut. So she was in there going, I expect this is a film I'm in. I, I'm in a, I don't remember signing up for this one. But it looks its very exciting. The special effects are good. I'll just keep acting until the director says cut. Then I will stop carrying an old woman out. She wouldn't have done it if it had been real life. She only did it because she thought it was a film. Kate Winslet would have run. The real Kate Winslet would have run. She's a bitch. Uh, but um, that's what I think. And uh, Libya is all kind of kicking off and going into them, And uh, the... The thing, I well, a lot of it looks. Do you ever see the very terrible satirical film Wag the Dog? Don't watch it if you've if you've if you haven't seen it. It's really shit. It's a kind of clanking, heavy-handed hand, satire about basically loads of faked war footage and stuff like that. And the and the government kind of controlling wars and stuff like that. But it, all the footage from Libya just looks so made up. Because I don't know why they're filming They're filming on very low-grade cameras for some reason, I guess because they're running around. But they don't seem to have done that in any other war, so everything looks a bit superimposed. And that guy with the hat, who had he had Colonel Gaddafi's hat and could speak really brilliant English. <laughs> just seemed a little bit unlikely to me. Uh, but I'm not saying that, you know... I'm not turning into one of the people I decried yesterday for... For saying for but you know they are lying about uh, the the sun, so they could be lying. But uh, the thing that was very interesting was they they're shooting in the air all the time, right, with with their machine guns to to show they've won. Uh, But that's incredibly dangerous. People die all the time, right, with the bullets come back down. They don't just go into the sky and never come back again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's not how rain is created by bullets going up and puncturing the atmosphere. Uh, they come back down again and loads of people get killed. But there was a guy putting up on the compound, putting up the flag of the rebel flag yesterday, they up high above the people and everyone else was shooting up in the air. And I thought, I wouldn't like to be that guy. Is he fucking mental? Uh, so, uh, yeah, so where we go. Um, there's my uh, take on the news. Hopefully that will get me on Mock the Week in this series. <laughs> That's what I'm aiming for. Yeah, calling Kate Winslet a bitch. I think that's the kind of thing they like. I could be the new Frankie Boyle. I, just, just think, I haven't seen any disabled children I can punch. Uh, so uh, maybe I won't. Maybe I won't make it on there. Uh, I'm punching upwards rather than downwards. But uh, look, we've got uh, an amazing... Oh, and actually, you know, so it's, the, it's the awards today as well. The, uh, the Perrier Awards uh, are coming out today, uh, as I call them. And we all do. Uh, and I'm going to carry on doing that to annoy whoever it is who's sponsoring them now. Perrier Miss Ian Perrier is laughing up his sleeve right now burping a little bit Um, uh, why can't I just have normal water Uh, uh, Perrier is just because they're not out yet I don't think the awards we haven't heard anything yet so I'm going to be nice I love Perrier water it's my best water so if they're listening hoping that'll give me a nod for the awards it's not sponsored by Perrier um I've never been nominated. We might talk about that because we have a former nominee of, uh, I think, of the Perrier Award when it was a Perrier Award coming on. Uh, and, uh, of course, later on, you're going to get a chance also to win. Just to mention this, you get a chance to see Martin Moore, who was on the other day, was fantastic. he was great. You can go and see him if you're lucky. And Marcus Birdman, who I met in the street the other day. is looking very, uh, turning into a bit of a silver fox, Marcus Birdman. He's a very, very fine comedian. And you can win, as it occurs to me. And it's the last day you can win a £40 voucher for wine from NakedWine.com. Come. <laughs> they must—they're very glad they uh, gave us these. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, then there would be money tomorrow. You should come tomorrow, um, unless someone wants to send me some free stuff, and then I can uh, give that away and give you a, the kind of plug I gave to that left-handed shop. Oh, I don't know. So yeah. that. Left handed internet site has gone through the roof. Anyway, enough of me talking because we've got someone who's got lots of brilliant things to say. Will you please welcome my guest today? He is from The Calcium Kid and Sex in the City, too. <laughs> <laughs> Will you please welcome Oli Tommy <laughs> Here he is. <laughs>
2: Thanks for mentioning the two <laughs> worst films. Of- it was, there was a lot of choice. Uh, That's quite funny you said that because there was um, we did this thing um, you know the Prince Charles's 2008 60th birthday party there was uh, there's a small club in Kingston called uh, Outside the Box and uh, everybody was practicing their sets so Al Murray was there then Joe Brown was there I was on and and uh, Robin Williams was on oh yeah yeah and uh, he's a great improviser as soon as he come on someone just went flubber and (laughs) he crumbled in front of us (laughs) he had no nothing to
1: say back anyone seen the Calcium Kid? (laughs) No. <laughs> they hadn't seen Wag the Dog. either. oh no, that was a bad film as well. So, uh, but you've been <laughs> You can make fun of it, but I was in it. <laughs> okay. My friend uh, Ivanhoe Nerona was in it. Did you, did you meet him? Ivan who? Ivanhoe Nerona. You would know if you'd met him. Uh, it's called no. Ivanhoe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think go. it was a very big part. But, uh, okay, so uh, you're up in Edinburgh. Yes. How many Edinburghs have you done before? Oh, I think this is my 12th. Right, cool. 12th one, yeah. Twenty.
2: Twenty, yeah. yeah you would. are the king. You are yeah, the I king, am the king. <laughs>
1: uh, and uh, so you're here at the stand. You've, you've elected to not, even though you're a massive Hollywood star, and uh, you've got your own TV yes. show, and I, you're on. You've been nominated for a Perrier. Yes. All the things that I am not. <laughs> you've you've come to the stand to. Do yes,
2: your show. I, I, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is uh, compliments, but what I'm sensing is envy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is, uh, no, it's, uh, I, I've come to the Stand because uh, I'm developing a new show, and I think it's important to... You Could you can come and do a big venue and make lots of money, but I think The Stand has a lot of credibility. and mm, it's, uh, it's a very um, comedy-literate audience, so I think usually if you get like a 100-seat, 100 150-seat venue and, and people laugh at that stuff, then on tour, people laugh. Yeah. So it's a good, great place as a training ground and and to to gather some kind of integrity after the money uh, (laughs) supermarket.com because you know they say you know Stand-up comedy puts food on the table, but commercials put cars in the driveway. <laughs> and my integrity in the recycling bin, so I'm
1: trying to... Uh, was it your uh, idea to pronounce supermarket in that way, to put the inflection on it in that way, or were you told to It do was that? their idea. No, was it was that? actually
2: their idea. The whole concept was, uh, the, the price comparison websites, the yeah. idea was that we as British people, we hate to haggle. Uh, whereas you don't need to haggle, you can just go to a price comparison website. So let's have a really bolshee fat, bald, <laughs> uh, Middle Eastern guy who p- kind of bullies people yeah. into pushing them to haggle, but who needs it, just go to the website. It so.
1: seemed to me that they'd watched the Compare the Meerkat advert and thought, we want something like that, but we can't bother to do the animation and stuff. And I, d- I do that g- as well. I do the <laughs> meerkat as well. i also Go Compare. I'm, I'm the
2: <laughs> I had some blood. it was it a terrible up. moment. A, a, a mother was walking past in London and her son came up to me in a bicycle and said, oh, I love you, I love you, can I have, a, can I have an autograph? I said, yeah. And he goes, he goes so you went, Go Compare. I went, piss off, piss off! <laughs> I lost my mind completely, it was
1: terrible. <laughs> It's so, like so, but I, I first met you in Adelaide I think oh it was maybe God, the yes. first time we met in 1997 yes. was it I think it was. it was we yeah. went we went out and did uh it was a kind were doing a comedy festival they usually it was a comedy festival every 2 years a mm. bigger festival in Adelaide but some rich man who liked smoking drugs yeah. uh decided to have a comedy festival on the uh, on the every other year so we got all these british comedians oh God, british based yeah. comedians to come out uh to <laughs> Adelaide and it was kind of a bit of a shambles wasn't it but it was kind of Quite amazing as well. It you, was amazing. But
2: we were quite shocked. Um, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but it was, was kind of the f- second year I was doing comedy, and uh, I'd been invited to do double act with Ivor Dembina, yeah, So yeah. it was Arab and the Jew, and I. And he was going through some difficulties, so we m- spent most of the time in the room together, right. like, talking and going, work, working through his issues. But th- some of the comics I'd never been exposed to before, <laughs> like Smiley and and Para. Do you know? Do you know Para? Uh, yeah. Scottish comedian who drinks rather heavily, and I remember <laughs> there was a swimming pool there. My first experience, I thought, wow, oh, go for a little swim. And Parrot and Smiley were in there. And uh, Smiley had, uh, I don't know how to say this, he'd he'd kind of aroused himself to the point of erection (laughs) and was masturbating furiously and started whacking his cock on my head. (laughs) And I literally just saw this. (laughs) And there's a wonderful picture we have, uh, which involved, and I I, I, I was trying to gravitate towards you and Stuart, because you were like university educated and sweet and middle class. Everybody was really kind of, uh, very scary. And there's a great picture of Smiley wearing Ray Bans and Parrot's cock kind of on his head <laughs> with the balls in his head, and you see Stuart Lee behind looking as if a child's been thrown into the deep end <laughs> of it. just looking totally horrified. And that was my experience yeah. of being with the with the. Well, comedians. it was it was yeah, and I because I I, hadn't, I wasn't on the stand up circuit at the time,
1: and I was you know I was doing the double act, and me and Stuart had just been on TV, so we we're kind of. I kind of felt like I, all these stand ups would kind of resent me. And someone like Parrot, who was terrifying. I think we used to work on the docks and yeah. uh, in Glasgow. And you, you would think. And I was coming here as this Oxbridge educated you know, comedian who'd never mm. done anything. Well, I, 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 saw, I found lost invoices for a lighthouse manufacturing company. So that was a pro- <laughs> For three weeks, that was a job. Uh, so I'd never, had, I'd never had a proper job. But me and him actually got on so well. Yeah. It was unbelievable. We were both liked Charles Bukowski, and we kind of. We kind of got, of got together over that, and it was kind of amazing. That's what I love about comedy. When we had uh, Dave on yesterday, again, it's sort of very different guy who I, someone like you and I would never really meet no, in, no. Our, in our day-to-day life. Was a great, great. Uh, g- was it a coffin robber? Yeah, yeah. Grave robbing and selling drugs, and you know, it's an incredible kind of life. And that's We're what I love nice about. Boy. We're nice, But I love it. He is very nice. But I also love about comedy. Kind of brings together all these people. And you, your family are from Iran. You weren't born in Iran. though. No,
2: my parents are uh, Iranians. Uh, they moved to Britain in
1: 1958. Right, and so. Uh, yeah, so what, what got you into comedy? I I wanted you wanted me to carry on. No, no, it's all right. No,
2: it's okay. And I fell into stand-up comedy. I, yeah. did, I didn't really uh, I didn't really know much about it. it was, my wife actually made me do it because she right. was at university with Alan Davis at, uh, at Kent University and uh, said, you should try this stand-up comedy. And I, and I said, well, what do I do? And she took me to the comedy store and I was just blown away by this. I thought there's no way I could do that. And I remember that a lot of people try stand-up comedy, but not everyone. It doesn't always work, and you see people go up. And I was just very lucky that I think the very first joke uh, I ever did was uh, about my name, because you realise stand-up comedy is about making points. You can't just yeah. be funny. And I said, my name uh, is Omid. Uh, full name is Omid Abu Abdil Qasim Itahad Ibrahim Mamdouh, <laughs> <laughs> but call me Trevor. Okay, that was the first ever joke. <laughs> and at that time, a lot of Middle Eastern people were trying to hide behind a different British persona, so it, was yeah. a, it would seem like a quite zeitgeisty. Joke and it kind of worked, so I just fell into it. But yeah. didn't never. I wanted to be an actor. That was what I wanted. To do. I, wanted to, I didn't want to do stand-up comedy. I wanted I wanted to be. Yeah. I to so
1: were uh, you, were you before being a stand-up comedian, you're saying you were working out in uh, Czechos- experimental uh, theatre. in Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia.
2: Yes, that was amazing. <laughs> I was doing experimental <laughs> theatre in the former Czechoslovakia. In fact, the very first piece I ever did, you'd like it was a it was a piece where it was a blackout and there was a uh, pin spot on a goldfish coming down from the top of the ceiling, a pin spot. And and there was a guy at the back of the stage playing one note on a cello, going (laughs) And it came down to ground level, lights come up, and there's me with a Magnum 45 going click. And there was an explosive device in the goldfish that exploded, and I shout, Lenin! Blackout, <laughs> standing ovation. It was fantastic, and it was all stuff that I said. What does this mean? Because don't worry, they will like it. Just, do it. just do
0: it. They'll like it.
2: So it was this kind of post-communist uh humor that worked really well, apparently.
1: Yeah, so. you attempted to do that as a sketch in your TV series. <laughs> just do that for I, I never thought it would work, but uh, no, it was. Uh,
2: it was a very uh, th- that time actually living. It was five years I was there. five yeah. years from nineteen ninety to ninety five, and I remember. Coming to Edinburgh Festival in 93, doing a piece that we'd developed, um, and we we played at the Hill Street Theatre. And we never got much of an audience. And I remember thinking, how do you get an audience? You've got to be on TV, so go and see this guy. The first comedian I saw was Dominic Holland. I don't know if you know Dominic Holland. And I sat in the front row, and to me, it just looked like the most boring, just, there's a bloke in, in a t-shirt, not even dressed up. Yeah, where's just the fucking talking. goldfish? Exploding yes, goldfish. I know. Where the fuck is that? Where's the dancing? Where's the lights? <laughs> what is this? This is ridiculous. I remember he said to me, where are you from? Because he yeah. goes, you look a bit bored, mate. Where are you from? And I said, I'm from Bratislava, because what was in Slovak Republic. He goes, where's that? Romania. And I went... So <laughs> stupid! He has no idea about geography, and um, I just thought it was the most appalling experience. But then I was just telling you when I got my Perrier nomination, I was with Dominic Holland, yeah. and he said, uh, "You've just been nominated." I said, "Should have been you. You're much funnier than me. You're brilliant. You're brilliant." So it was eight years later, but yeah. it was. Uh, but that was my first experience coming to Edinburgh Festival. Right. It Dominic Holland. Dominic Holland, yeah.
1: And that made you want to do comedy. Unbelievable. Uh, so, though <laughs> no, Al Murray said yesterday, uh, the other day, that uh, seeing Stuart Lee doing comedy and doing all right made him think I could probably do that then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so actually, you know, I had a conversation with Stuart in 2004, and uh, he just got a batch. No, no, not... sorry, in 2000, he just got a batch of really bad reviews. I've yeah. Actually, all of us who knew Stuart, we all liked him, but he got these terrible reviews. Yeah, and really, I saw him yeah. at the bar in Pleasance. I said, uh, how do you feel? It goes, oh, you know what? I'm just going to keep going until, like... Because I think Arthur Smith was doing a show that was really successful. He goes, I want to be like Arthur Smith. Just keep going until I become a wizened old man. <laughs> and then people suddenly start... Suddenly I, I become in fashion. And that's yeah. kind of what happened. It is
1: what happened, but he, he lost his... You know, he lo- I think he, he got really horrible views. I've never... Yeah. I've never Bring really got sure. those... Really, I got one this year that's kind of weird, but... Uh, <laughs> but I've I never really got those fuck off and never come back yeah. to Edinburgh reviews. And Stu genuinely did. And I would love to see if those people who gave those reviews are still the journalists who are now going, of course, he's the greatest comedian. Because he was, in 1999, he was yeah. essentially doing, I mean, he was doing some of the same bits. And, you know, he's, yeah. he is better now, but he's not that, he's not that different. <laughs> <laughs> he's improved. I'm not patronising, he's got, we've all got better. Uh, man, love. Man telling me patronising, going... <laughs> that was that was literally his laugh. How dare he say I'm patronizing? That's his laugh. <laughs> um, he actually
2: looks like Vincent Price. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's you know, he's a, you know, he's got he's a more kind of complete comedian and also I think it was good for him. He got a bit uglier. And I genuinely think that was, I think, because people he did. People kind of resented him because he was sort of this very good-looking, chiselled yes. face, I kind was of young sure man. You,
2: I thought you were the, you, you were the funny one. I, w- the I
1: absolutely years. was. the funny one. one, and I still am, Mohammed. Don't yes. say were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've hit a nerve. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, but it, was, it was, You know, we did the double act, but we also, you know, we were doing separate things as well. But it's, kind of, it's a, that you know, I just say that as a kind of. To people who are up here, and you know, you get those terrible reviews, and it isn't. Sometimes it means you are terrible, but sometimes it means you're brilliant. That's the, the problem with comedy is that those people, the worst people and the best people, have the most confidence, yeah, and everyone true. else is sort of in the middle, and it's it's impossible to know. But it helps
2: you as well. I think bad reviews, you learn from your bad reviews. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a time there was a, I, I got all these five star reviews, then a couple of years later, it was all two star reviews. The same people. Who kind of herald me as the kind of savior of, of international <laughs> comedy? Then they go, oh, he's racist, you know. He's <laughs> and it was uh, it was one review in the list as well because he makes jokes about the Germans, about Jews, you know, and about Arabs. I have an Arabic friend you know? Who is not, I have a Jewish friend who's made a loss. I've, 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 got, I've got a very... I've got a witty friend. I've got a friend from Potsdam who's actually quite witty, you know? And, and I think that Scots have always been a bit uh, wary of that. Uh, but I, it was actually Parrot, actually. There's a bit I do in my act about Parrot yeah. saying me... Because for me, there's a big lane. because uh, let me do my Scottish action Because for me, he goes, uh, if I'm going for a Chinese meal, right, i say I'm going for a chinky, right? But I never say a Chinese person, I'm going for a chinkie. Because he might think I want to eat him. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not right, is it, packing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you know, comedians, I think it's, it's, it's all about how you package it and how you yeah, do it. Exactly. and what the, It's about intent behind it all, isn't yeah, it, really, yeah. with those things. I think you, you've got to be allowed to cover everything, I think, with comedy.
2: I think you've got to be very clear uh, from the outset with your first couple of jokes about yeah. who you are and why you're here. And what is it about your viewpoint that will, uh, you know, influence and be of any cultural use to people? Yeah. So I think if you do that at the beginning and people trust you, then you can... B- I saw Billy Connolly uh, yeah. recently at, at Hampstead of Apollo, and uh, he had me in the first 30 seconds. And I thought he could say anything. And then he said, I can say anything And you, know, if I created a party. And he created a party there and then and everyone joined it. Yeah. And he started telling us his ridiculous uh policies that were all non PC, but everybody went with it because if if you buy into him, you'll yeah. go with anything he says.
1: Well but then you do that between friends as well. So if you're with your friend you know you can make an awful joke that you wouldn't make with anyone else because you know your friend knows that you don't yeah. mean it. So that's the joke. It's all right well again Simon Munley the other day was talking about trying to come up with the most offensive joke that they could mm. do with amongst his friends, which was, you know, what do you get if you put a baby in a Liquidizer and erection. Uh, that was that's what they came up with. Oh my God! Uh, but they would. But if you're deliberately trying to come up with the most offensive thing possible, and that's the game, then yes. that isn't an offensive thing to do. So most comedians will play that game backstage, won't? They? And do the. Re- I mean, that's where the uh, aristocrats, I guess, came from. Which yeah, uh, yeah. Paul Provenza's on the show tomorrow. So I'm very good at kind of little uh, getting that in. But you know, the tomorrow. Yeah, keep selling tomorrow's show.
2: But I had a great conversation. I did that show in America with you know Paul Reiser. The, yes. The, yeah. Um, and it, Larry David was in his first episode and. We right. were talking about well, what's the uh, our f- worst opening lines. And uh, Paul Riser said, well, it's a line I had that never really got much of a laugh. It was about uh, who created sarcasm. Like, sir, sh- ask me, who created sarcasm? Who created sarcasm? <laughs> I did, you know. And, <laughs> and he goes, it never really got much of a laugh. And, yeah. and, and Larry David said, well, I had a line. I said, what was it? He goes, because I, th- I, he goes I really think black people never really gave slavery much of a chance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs>
2: I said, did it get a laugh? He went, no. He goes, and I was making a point because another 50 years, they could have cornered that market, but the Filipinos (laughs) come in. I just (laughs) gathered that. You know, so... I thought that was funny, yeah. but because it never got a laugh, that no. uh, Black Panther uh, meeting. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, it is about context, of I course think. it is.
1: And so, how did you? You, you know, you start. Be, when did you start appearing in films and and TV and in, in American TV? How did that all? Luckily, there just
2: came. That uh, I, it's too uh, interesting story. I did uh, uh, did the film called The Mummy first. Oh and, yes, uh, yeah. Cool. And I would never been for a film audition, and they just said they t- gave it to me in the part there and then. And they said, uh, "What are you doing between April and September?" And I and I having just Started on the comedy circuit. I said, "I'm doing two gigs at the Meccano Club (laughs) in in Islington, and I really, I can't miss them." Because, well, how much are you getting paid? I went and gave him sixty pounds. (laughs) <laughs> each gig and I really whatever you give me I really need to have that Im- reimbursed because I did it, <laughs> I did an open spot that went really well and, and it's such a shame I can't go back and do a 20 and they said so they gave me this ridiculous check and it said 120 pounds for missed Comedy <laughs> Club <laughs> 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 they actually paid it which is and then uh, the funny joke was that I got a residual check from the mummy for five pence right as well and, and my agent took a penny off yeah, as well <laughs> for, for commission but, but it was that happened to me I had a four pence I had a four
1: pence check and they took one that's and i argued said you meant to take 15% not 25% <laughs> i said i want you to take that into account the next four p check that comes in when <laughs> i take it again you will pay i we've overpaid you for that one but Incredible. that was the first
2: one the, the mummy was the first one and that and uh, and then i did gladiator it was pretty much the similar kind of crew and they give me the part in gladiator and uh and there's a bit in The Gladiator where I'm with Oliver Reed, where yeah. uh, he grabs my nether regions and says, you sold me queer giraffes. It's a famous yeah, it's thing. <laughs> and you know, when you do, when you do um, a film, that you do lots of different takes. You do a take, the action, uh, cut, and you take a minute to retouch your makeup, have a cup of tea. And um, Oliver Reed said, do you mind if I... Are you, me- are you method? Do you mind if I actually grab your balls and penis? I said fine whatever works so he grabbed them and he, got, and he was saying is that all is that comfortable and I, I felt him moving his hands around like, just kind of like weighing them up but he held them and they went action and he held them and you saw me queer drama cut and he kept his hands there. <laughs> he kept his hands up for five takes. And it was just a joke that the crews. And I was so polite. I was saying, So, how, how's it going, Mr. Reed? You know. So they played this ridiculous joke yeah. on me. But that was, that was very nice. So, when you, when you get in these films as a kind of, and you corner a market of like an Arab scumbag specialist, then you get <laughs> the Calcium Kid comes up, all, all these films come out as a similar kind of role. That's why a lot of actors you see uh, in Hollywood films who are like office workers. That's all they do. You only see them, and, you, you, and if you look at all, I guess, that's the same office guy I saw in that film. If you do one thing really well, yeah. then they see you as that. So it was a big, um, big thing for me to do uh, uh, a film called Modigliani, where I played Picasso yeah. uh, with with Andy Garcia, and uh, I was supposed to lose weight, and I and I, and, I, and they said you have to do something at the at the t- press conference, and I, they said uh, someone said Picasso looks very. Fat. Um, (laughs) And I said, can I answer this? Uh, Yes, actually you will find that between the rose period and the blue period, there was the porcadelic period where (laughs) Picasso was very depressed. And as you can see, he was painting with a donut in his hand. So we we got away with that So it's, it's
1: astonishing, you're a very down-to-earth man still, I think you're still kind of... I know! A, yeah, wonderful! But you mix mixing with all these stars, you, ki- yes. Oli- you killed Oliver Reed by making him hold your penis. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> That's what killed him. I've never seen it spun that way, but very good. You, in, uh, you killed doll. Oliver Reed. <laughs> that should be the name
2: of your autobiography. Yes. My
1: balls killed Oliver Reed. <laughs> That'd be <been> very, very <laughs> funny. Actually,
2: do you know something? It's interesting. I did a film uh, I did a film with Brad Pitt when he just got married with uh, Jennifer Aniston and we were in a car together and he just said to me, uh, do you, how long have you been married? And I've been married eight years. He goes, do you have any advice? And I just said to him, well, you know there's, uh, there is the three-step rule in marriage in any relationship. I said, what's that? And he goes, well, you know, marriages and any relationship go in three stages. And he said tell me and I said well stage one is blind love you just love that person unconditionally but doesn't last then you go into stage two where you start um, engaging with each other's baggage where you don't really know what the baggage is and then you fight and, you, and you, you argue and a lot of people stay in that stage two for a very long time some people work through it or they, they get divorced or they break up or they wake, work through this terrible stage two they get into stage three where it's not perfect but you have a more mature understanding of conflict resolution and you can move on he goes, well, what stage are you in? I said, well, I said to my wife, I think we're in stage four. She goes, and my, w- uh, my wife said, well, that's just a repeat of stage two, you stupid twat. Um, <laughs> and, and, but then he liked this thing. And then uh, immediately afterwards at lunchtime, he took a phone call from uh, Jennifer Aniston. And they started they start arguing. And then he uh, he come off the phone. And he goes, I think I've gone into stage two <laughs> as a kind of joke. And then I think some newspaper journalists said, oh, tell me something. And I told them this story. And then the story went around the world. TMZ website had a picture of Jennifer <laughs> and Brad split in two with, with a picture of me as a stand-up in the middle like that. It's a fat Iranian comedian admits to splitting up Brad and Jen. So you've got to be really careful who
1: you tell what. <laughs> so the awards are coming out today. We have yes. no news yet, Chris? nothing through uh, we do excited. know
2: we do I just hot off the oh. press. we know that Nick Helm is definitely one Oh really just yes. they've announced one person well, yes one
1: person <laughs> one person's been announced well that's not a surprise Nick Helm that's it's good, coming isn't? out slowly one so because uh, well, I've I've never been uh, nominated for the uh, that's Perry a shock Awards. never 20 years 32 shows I'm I'm actually ineligible to. Uh, That's wrong. That's no. What's the wrong. word? Impotent. No. I- ineligible. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. So none of my actual stand-up shows have been uh, eligible for That's it. That's a shame. It's it is a terrible shame. shame. Uh, but what do you think? It's a good thing. I mean, obviously you, you got nominated and who you, you got beaten by? Uh, yes, I
2: got be- I, I got nominated in two thousand two yeah. uh, and I was beaten by a, a bloke who looked like a, a sexual deviant. Um, but since then Daniel Kitson has proved he's not. <laughs> uh, I should say. Although I don't know. I Haven't seen him in a in a while. But he, um, but uh, he, he looks
1: more like a sexual deviant yeah, now. This year, does. I have to say, <laughs> He's seen this year. He's got big long beard <laughs> and those glasses.
2: But I actually became ineligible in the mid. There's a, when you get nominated on the Wednesday. Uh, what day is it today? Today's it? Wednesday. It's yeah. Wednesday. You get nominated on the Wednesday, and then they announce it Saturday night. Yeah. In the middle of that, my show had become so overblown. We we put in an extra show at the Queen's Hall, and you become ineligible if you can play a venue that's over 500. So the uh, Queen's Hall was a thousand, Yeah, and uh, I sold it out, and I became ineligible. So, so I, 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 I couldn't win, I, was, I disqualified myself <laughs> for the sake of a few pounds. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Still, so it, it's worth too. falling on your sword if you're up against en- Daniel Kitson, probably though. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was, well, I <laughs> was Yes, I would have won if it hadn't been for that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, well, it's kind of an odd thing though, I, mean, it is cause the, it sh- I think that's what the the rules are. So I think people kind of I don't understand what the rules are. I don't mm. really understand why I'm I'm quite glad not to be eligible. But even so, when I'm not nominated, I still get annoyed, <laughs> even though they don't come and see me. Are you still uh, ineligible now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Because I'm too successful, and I go come and fucking look at how many people are in this room <laughs> <laughs> before you say I'm too successful. It was really annoying. Like in 2002, 2003. I mean, it's it's so, when you were nominated, you you'd been in movies and stuff. Yeah, like that, that didn't make sense. So you know, it does that doesn't make sense? And I'd been in a double act. Someone like Phil Nichol, who'd been in a triple act. Yeah. Then he was a new act when he went to being a solo act. So I didn't ever quite understand it. But I think people believed. I mean, even when we me and he street, was in what Corky and the Juice? Cork, yeah, groups, and then yeah. and then he went solo. But people, I think people believed that me and Stu were like massively successful. We couldn't, we couldn't sell tickets to any... All, the, all our fans couldn't go out at night. They were too young. Oh <laughs> <So> wow. Wow. <laughs> Back then, that, now they're here. Look, they've got quite old wow. in, in the interim. But, um, but, you know, so it was kind of... Weird. When I was touring to 30 people in Carlisle, yeah, cool. you know, you're kind of thinking, I'm too successful, apparently, <laughs> to be nominated for the ferry Award. Well, it seemed a bit weird. So but it still seemed... There should, I think the rule should just be... I mean, I don't particularly like uh, the idea of having competition... Uh, to find the best, I mean, NYU. there's five uh, there's 505 acts eligible this year, I think, for the whole 505. thing. Yeah, so and so they're going to choose six. And how do you judge? How do you judge Ed Axel against uh, Josh Widdicombe, two of the acts we've had in? You know, they're very different acts. How do you decide who's the best out of those two? It's sort of insane. But uh, I
2: hosted the Malcolm Hardy Awards yes. and the winner came on and he did his act and he got booed off. <laughs> People say, you're shit, (laughs) mates. And that was kind of the idea. You have to be a bit, not shit, but kind of really uh, unique and original. And I think the only problem with the awards thing is some of the younger comedians maybe think we've got to shape our show in a way so it will be award-friendly. So you've got to be slightly open about yourself and you've got to maybe do something slightly political and then say something quite hard hitting whereas comedy really should come from an authentic place and yeah. it, you don't really want to do it for awards people so in that sense it's wrong but well, it's usually like they da- do go for the more authentic shows
1: yeah too. it's what it's like David was talking about yesterday that you're coming up and trying to do a show and it yeah. shouldn't be even in your mind if it happens it's a nice yeah. thing to happen but a lot of people do come up and then if they're not nominated they think that their Edinburgh's been wasted you know, however yeah. well it's gone which is an awful thing so it's kind of Awful to have this kind of comment. I mean, it's, it's all being marked, isn't it? Stars and who's yeah. the best and how many stars have you got? So it's all, it's all kind of but It's very difficult crazy. as well
2: because you're, uh, as we get older, our idea of what is funny kind of ch- moves away from what kids laugh at yeah. anyway. I mean, there was something, there was a joke... There's a bit of stand-up I used to do that never got a laugh. And people, my wife said, can you just drop that stupid thing you do? I said, I think it's funny. I did it in the mirror today, you know, <laughs> naked and one black sock, by the way. Um, not on the feet. And, um, and I would get light-headed. If I get really light-headed at something, audiences never think it's Well, there was one thing, and I'll do it. I'll do what it okay. is do It never gets a laugh. Let's see. Uh, let's my see.
1: audience are very, very good. This so. never
2: gets a laugh. I'm going to try but, it again. And I, I just heard somewhere that Robert Mugabe from Zimbabwe he's a bit confusing in his own language. He's quite incoherent. So I had the BBC say, Mr. Mugabe, how do you answer accusations you're getting more and more incoherent? And Mugabe says, (laughs) la, (laughs) la, la, la! Now, you see, that never gets a laugh. But I really felt that was my gift. Like Prince Charles can say, Mummy, uh, do you really believe you're in full possession of your mental faculties? And she'll say, (laughs) la, (laughs) la, la, la! I spent hours trying to get the right kind of... (laughs) No, he's walking away now. That bloke's walking <laughs> off. You see, I really thought and, and people say this is a silly comedian who's like used to do political, now he's just doing silly sounds and voices. <laughs> because that's the problem, as you get older, the silly stuff really makes you laugh, whereas that's not really award friendly. No. Exactly. Well, you know, but
1: it's and no. An, an In the end, how much good does any of these awards do anyone? You know,
2: how much good does it (laughs) do doing that stupid (laughs) stupid (laughs) fucking? Let let us stop it. Change
1: society. It didn't matter. Being nominated, it's lovely at the time and it's great. But then you feel disappointed when you don't win. And then, do you think it made any difference? You were already going to be successful anyway, so it's just it kind of was a little confirmation that yeah, I think you arrived. When people laugh, it is a
2: confirmation. And I think you need everyone needs wind in their sails. Everybody needs some kind of. You know, Not encu- me. Encouragement. Not me. Not I you, just, but you do. I just need.
1: have to keep going against the run, rubbing against the grain until someone likes me. <laughs> they do. Everyone loves you. I'm, I'm here because I love you. Everyone loves you, and I think no. that's the no. it that's, is you know that's worth more than all, all the no. Actually, I'd prefer an award. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I think it is. It's important for comedians because we're we're all we're all quite damaged. It's all cliche. We all need kind of love. We all need. Uh, some kind of recognition. So awards, any kind of award, is uh, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I
1: do you know it is. It is. It is a, a disappointing how much uh, it makes. How good it make, I imagine would make you feel. But I um, think uh, we should move on. Yeah, let's move on <laughs> <From> uh, awards. <laughs> I can I'm feel actually, your anus kind of pulsing. Uh, in the end, in the end, it's sort of a, you know I'm quite proud in the end to never have been nominated. There you can are, look there it are like a, that. You can are look at a, it like there are a list of comedians who've never been nominated include Stuart Lee. Uh, Bill Hicks, who did come up here. Uh, Ricky Gervais came up here, was never nominated. So, like, almost the most uh, influential comedians yeah, that's, that's of the last 20 years mm. and me and you. Uh, have, been <laughs> have been nominated. so i'm have been nominated so i'm asking everyone this i mean, you came to see the yes. show yesterday so you are forewarned about oh, no. this what? what would it take for you to fellate the actor keith allen what would you, <laughs> if you if you haven't already is that how you got into the mummy yeah <laughs> <laughs> you just took away my answer. um
2: I, I, I for me to fillet Keith Allen have you do you know if you worked? I do know Keith he's Lily Allen's father. Yeah. I was in his football team, Fatless. Oh are okay. yeah. He's so actually a really go. nice guy. But <laughs> to fillet him, fillet him I would have to have him uh, detach himself from his penis. Yeah. And even then I wouldn't be able to differentiate between <laughs> the body and the penis. Yeah. But um I I, I would just Sucking for the hell of it. Okay,
1: that's fair enough. If you were in a swimming pool, he was knocking it on your head. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. You just saved it. It might,
2: <laughs> might go. So, also, every
1: day, I'm looking back at uh, previous Edinburgh fringes. I'm working my way up to the present day. If you've got a nice story about the fringe, you can tell it after this or you can p- feel free to interrupt this okay, one. Okay, go on. Uh, 2007, we're up to the year I turned 40. I did a show called Oh, Fuck, I'm 40, uh, which I guess was quite a kind of turning point as well in terms of I think that was the first one of the solo shows for a while anyway that kind of people start taking notice of, but I was kind of, I was in the middle of a midlife crisis at that time, so I was, uh, you know, I, was, uh, I wrote a book about it in the end, but um, I was still sort of, I'd just turned 40, like the month before, and I was uh, single, and getting drunk, and not, be- I don't think I got slapped in the face, by the wives of any other comedians, but that apparently that happened uh, in 1999, I don't remember it, according to Dave and so who knows what I got to, so I was behaving quite disgracefully, but I was also in that kind of, point where you're thinking what am I doing with my life I'm 40 should I be doing this stupid job should I still be coming to Edinburgh you know you got that point where you're aware that a lot of the people in Edinburgh were not alive when I first did Edinburgh yeah. and uh, I, the, I did a, f- the first day I remember I did a gig at the BBC that BBC gig that they do and I'd kind of gone on the end everyone had gone really well and I went on the end and sort of died a little bit, and I was the headliner, and it was sort of and everyone, and there'd been a lovely audience, and I'd kind of gone on, I'd sort of said to them, You weren't alive when I first came to Edinburgh, and I don't think that was a good start. You know, I think all these youngsters went, yeah, fuck off, granddad. <laughs> or are you still doing it? So I remember walking back through the mist, right, over Southbridge, and sort of I, every time I do that, I kind of there's a little part of me thinking, wouldn't it be great to throw my to pin all my bad reviews to my shirt and <laughs> throw myself over. <laughs> <laughs> just just because it might make the review. I, mean, I don't think it would. I think they'd get a satisfaction out of it, but it might make one of them go, oh, wish I, <laughs> wish I hadn't done that now. But So I sort of half-jokingly thinking about, you know, thinking, oh, well, is there any point in coming up? And then uh, through the mist, and like, I heard someone shouting, Rich! And I thought, oh, God, who's this? And I looked back, and it did look like some nerdy, anarchy comedy fan. And I thought, oh, it's going to be some idiot come and give me a hard time, whatever. And, uh, and then he came forward, and it was Daniel Kitson, following enough, who <laughs> we've just been talking about. And uh, he sort of appeared as this kind of comedy angel, and I sort of said to him, ah, oh, you know, what's the point? You know, I've done Edinburgh for 20 years, what's the point? I should, you know, maybe I should stop now, I've done enough. And he said, yeah, you could. Or you could do another 10 years. And I went, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and he sort of... <laughs> And somehow, in that moment, having Daniel Kitson saying that, to me, completely turned everything around. And I and I had a similar thing, I wrote both both, both these in the book uh, in Montreal that year. I'd been to Montreal and kind of again I had a nasty because I was just like doing those best of British shows and they were kind of really on the periphery. And I don't really like all that networking stuff. You must have been to didn't Montreal. you have
2: that? Didn't you have someone come up to you and Stew and look at your laminate thing like that and just look at it and then put it down and walk on? It? <laughs> yeah, it's that, I mean, it's yeah. really that
1: sort of thing that happens. And I'm not good in that situation anyway. And I, I've done a really, we've done this really terrible 5 minute gig or that and then I'd walked out of the venue I'd walked off the stage out of the venue and walked 2 miles back to the hotel I got to the hotel thinking I'm going to give up comedy and I got in the lift and Billy Connolly got in the lift with me at the same time Billy Connolly yeah. wow <laughs> and uh Billy Connolly with it, and it was the lift it go, it's at the high it goes up one floor to the lobby and then there's another lift and Billy Connolly in the lift just started thinking what's this uh, lift all about why why is it only go up one floor and you know he just started doing a routine about oh. the lift and was fun everyone in the gig I'd done had been like these you know, the American comedians who just do basically racist and sexist stuff, but because they're the nationality, they can go, my g- my mum was uh, Chinese, so she was like, oh, oh I'm yeah, they do. They, they, do and they do that. They, they literally yeah, do that. So, you know, or, you know, uh, or aren't men all horrible, sexist slobs? You know, and really, I couldn't believe how bad it was. And yet, then Billy Connolly, in that lift was funnier in the 30 seconds that lift yeah. went up than anyone had been in this comedy club. And again, you thought, maybe comedy is a good thing to do. So I kinda, it was sort of a turning point year, I think, for me that year. And then, that, then I had a really nice Edinburgh, and kind of it did sort of pick up. Yeah, and God. I sort of slept with loads of young women as well. <laughs> but then, I, then I, grew up and I met my girlfriend after that. So it's in the right order. Uh, so <laughs> it was good to have got it out of the way. Uh, have, you got,
2: have you got a favourite Edinburgh story? Oh, favourite Edinburgh story? Yeah. yeah I, um, my favourite Edinburgh story was in the 90s. Uh, there's a show called Late in Life that was really bigger than what it is now. It was really raucous. And uh, a comic called Andre Vincent was the MC, And he was just supposed to do five, ten minutes, warm them up, bring on the acts. And I think within the first couple of minutes, he was getting heckled. And there were some um, theatre people started shouting going ha 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 <laughs> you know that ironic every time I did a joke they went ha 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 <laughs> so we stayed on for half an hour 40 minutes and um, I think it was Nick Wilty came back said look Andre you've got to get off we've got a band we've got all these people and he wouldn't come off and these kids it was really nasty these kids were going ha 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 and um, he got the first act on came back on again and then they, they started chucking curly whirlies at him <laughs> Uh, they got this box of Curly Whirlies. And I think by this time, everyone wanted him off. I think even the technicians got this box and the audience started chucking. He goes, I just picked them up and started eating them. I started eating up the Curly Whirlies. But then he found out who those theatre people were. And the next day, he went to their show, sat in the front row, put his feet up on the stage, these big DM boots. And it was a restoration comedy (laughs) that they were going on. And every time there was a semi-joke, he went, "Ha, Ha! 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 All throughout the show, uh, to the point where the lead actress just ran off crying and the show (laughs) fell apart. And he walked off and he looked at the name of the show and he thought, oh God, wrong show. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't know who they were, they didn't know who he was. He was just some fat bastard who just came in and ruined their show. So that's my favourite story. Isn't that terrible? What a terrible... (laughs) Story, true story.
1: <laughs> someone emailed me in the week. I can't remember the full details of the story, but I think it was about Paul Provenza, who's on tomorrow. I may ask him about it. But some very, very similar thing where he was being, he, he was being kind of someone. Basically, things start going a bit disgusting on stage, mm-hmm. and then he went along to the next day and took a load of people with him and wrecked the show as well. Oh so, so that is a danger. I might ask him about that if he remembers that. But that's. Uh, that's the danger of being uh, a cocky little twat that's quite a, it's quite a, except as being looking like someone who is i think i think probably anyone who's in a restoration drama deserved, deserved it. it yeah yes. they deserved it totally <laughs> they, they would, we have, said done that together. They they would have done it. they have done something <laughs> the kind of people going around with big billboards, <laughs> just walking around, you know, advertising. So they deserved it,
2: definitely.
1: So look, why don't we get uh, our stand-up on now? We might go backstage and find out whether uh, the uh, the nomine- nominations, yeah, the nominations have come in. Uh, we've got a fantastic uh, stand-up coming on. You're really going to enjoy. Uh, it's really nice to introduce uh, people to some new at names. So I hope you will go and check out either Edinburgh or if they come to your town. Uh, will you please welcome the incredible Jen Brister?
0: Hello. This is really intimate, isn't it? How close are you? You're like, you're like literally there, like a little nipple in this breast of people there. I'm going to give you a little tweak there. Don't get any bigger though, that'd be awkward. Um, It's nice to be here. This is a long festival, this Edinburgh festival. I always feel like I need to pace myself when I'm doing this. And so at the moment I've been watching a lot of bit bit of daytime telly just to break it all up, just to have a little relax, you know. The trouble is I don't find it that relaxing because of the, um, there's some adverts up. Of get on my nerves, you know, they're just on all the time. There's one in particular, I don't know if this all annoys some of the women as well. It's the one with Martine McCutcheon, the one where she gets really excited about yogurt. Do you know what I mean? How can anyone be that excited about yogurt? I'm so excited about raspberry yogurt! I mean, like, what is that? What is that about? I mean, you never, and it's never directed at fellas, is it? It's not like, oh, come on, fellas, stick your cock in it, you'll love it, it's brilliant. You're not gonna do that, are you? I mean, and also, like, I mean, I've never, like, you know, phoned up a mate and gone, Saturday night? Do you fancy coming around for? Um, no, don't bring any wine. I've got some. Uh, I've got some yogurt here, so that'd be brilliant. <laughs> or when they try to medicalise it, and that's also the thing that I find bizarre when they try to medicalise yogurt. You know, before it was all about being bloated. Do you know, like, but if you have a yogurt, you know, and you feel sad, ladies, you wake up in the morning, you feel a bit bloated, and then you have a yogurt, and you feel happy again. <laughs> what is wrong with these women? <laughs> Why are they always bloated? I don't know, I just woke up one morning and (laughs) I bloated. I think it's because I'm a woman. You know what us women are like. If we're not bleeding, we're bloating. That's what we do. We bleed and we bloat. And if we're not bleeding and bloating, we're on a diet because we're women and we're (laughs) stupid. I wouldn't mind if they directed these adverts of men. I would feel a lot happier, but they don't. And I'll tell you why. If a bloke is feeling bloated, He's not going to go out and buy a yoghurt. He'll have a shit. <laughs> that is the natural order of things. You're never going to overhear two fellas having a chat going, Gary, did you see the football on Saturday? I did, Dave, but to be honest with you, I couldn't really focus on it because uh, I was feeling a bit bloated. <laughs> well, you, sweetheart, don't you worry about a thing. I've got a yoghurt in my purse. So that should sort you out. Well, we're doing this show. I'm doing a show. It's called Britishish. I'm doing a show because uh, I'm British, but you can tell looking at me. I'm a bit sepia. Uh, and that's because I've got a Spanish mum. And I love my mum. Uh, she's, uh, she's lived longer probably now in, the, in Britain than she's ever lived in Spain. But I love that she hasn't lost her accent. She still has a very strong accent like this, you know. Loss of words she cannot pronounce. Like my brother's name. Um, can't say his name. She christened him. Can't say his name. His name's Stephen. She's like, yeah, I know. It's Stephen. No, it's not Stephen, mum. I know. It's Stephen. It's just Stephen. Forget it. Um... I was in Australia at the beginning of the year and I was doing some gigs. I did the Adelaide Fringe and, and Melbourne and all of that. And um, I spoke to my mum once a week on what she calls escape. Skype, um, which by the way, she thinks is magic. She said, Jennifer, it's incredible. I am talking to you and I see you. Do you see me? I'm like, yeah, of course I can see you. She's what am I doing now? You're waving, what the fuck? What? I know, it's incredible, isn't it? My favorite word that my mum can't pronounce is the word Coke. She calls it "cock." Yeah, funny. Really funny. It's really funny unless you're seven and you're having a birthday party and you've invited your seven-year-old friends around and your mum spends the afternoon offering them cock. Sandra, you like cock, don't you? I can tell. <laughs> Matthew, you look like a boy who needs more cock. Now listen, you children, you want a bit of cock, you go to my husband, he has all of the cock in the house, you go to him, okay? She's very direct, my mum. Spanish people are. Like, and also, I think when I was in Australia, I think Australians are—they're like, I like that, I don't like that, fuck it. Whereas British people were very different, aren't we? we were like, do you like that? I don't know, do I like that? What do you think about that? I don't know. Do you have an opinion? If you had an opinion, what would it be? <laughs> you decide, and you say, we're idiots, you know. And and like my my mum, she just tells it how, how it is. I mean, I like to compare my mum to my girlfriend's mum. Yes, just in case any of you are in any doubt, what was? Don't don't be worried. Look at you, it's not it's not catching, lovely. Don't worry. Well, if it is, you'd have to, you know, I'd have to sit in your face for half an hour. But then, you know, you get a snorkel, you'd be fine. I hope my mum doesn't listen to this, because this is awful, isn't it? <laughs> um, but my girlfriend's mum, she's from Buckinghamshire. I don't know, is anyone here from, has anyone been Buckinghamshire? It's brilliant, Buckinghamshire. It's like the kind of place where, you know, gay people and black people aren't allowed. Um, and she's quite passive-aggressive. I think she can't really cope with the fact that her daughter is going out with a lesbian. Because, <laughs> of course, her daughter's not a lesbian. It's just me strumming away on my own. And, um, no, that bit is true. Don't laugh. Um, And I think, like, basically, uh, I I think she can't cope with the fact, you know, she can't cope with this. She doesn't know how to introduce me. Like, to other family members, to other, you know, friends. So when she does introduce me, it's always the same way. And it's as the special friend. (laughs) Now, I don't know. What the fuck is a special friend? Does anyone... Can someone tell me? Because one of these days, I will just sit in the corner with a bag full of crayons. Do you know what I'm saying? And, (laughs) hello! And fulfil a vision of me. (laughs) <laughs> and like, and also I love it when she's just, it's not even a special friend. It's like, <laughs> that weird voice that comes over. <laughs> loads of words you can't cope with. It's like, <laughs> you know, like vagina, like vagina. Or like other things you can't cope with, you know, like black people, just lots of things. <laughs> I like to compare, like, again, my mum, very direct. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example of how direct. I told my mum, right, that my girlfriend and I were thinking that in the future we'd like to have kids. And uh, without stopping for breath, my mum turned to me and said, Williamifer, I do hope you know you cannot get pregnant with two fingers. <laughs> so that's... That. That's not right, is it? That's not right. That's not right at all. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been absolutely lovely. If you want to come and see my show, it's at Just the Tonic Caves at 8 o'clock every night. And uh, that's it. Thanks very much. Good night. Oh, good afternoon.
1: <laughs> Jen Brister. Ladies and gentlemen, and the uh, nominations have, been, have come out. Yes. While we have been on backstage, uh, if you're interested, it's Adam Riches, who I've heard lots of good things about, but I've never seen. Anyone seen him? No, no, no one has seen him. It's amazing he's still got nominated, even though. Uh, Andrew Maxwell, that's good yeah. news. Uh, Chris Ramsey, one of the new t-shirt-wearing boys, he's, uh, he got through. Josie Long. Ooh. She should turn it down, right? She's so political now, she shouldn't <laughs> accept that. And Nick Helm, who was on this show, yeah, I'm the kingmaker. That's the only one. And Sam Simmons, who is an Australian comedian, again, that I have not uh, seen. The, and there's like 1,000 th- people have been nominated for Best Newcomer, including Josh Widdicombe, who was on the show, and uh, Holly Walsh, who was on the show. So I'm the kingmaker. You are. As long as, as long as Nick Helm wins and Holly or Josh wins, I'm the kingmaker. Uh, so, Very thought, happy for Andrew Maxwell. Yeah, well, he's been going this a his long third time. Uh, nomination. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a really good comic. He's an excellent comic. He's very fun. I was I was on the Fred Macaulay show with him the other day, and he's just very naturally mm. funny. Like in the way that I'm not. Look, see, he's just, but he's got loads of, he's lo- just got, you know, he's got loads of great lines and then he started taking the piss out of the audience at the Fred Macaulay show, who you'll know are uh, generally quite elderly if you've, if you've been on that. It's, the, it's BBC Radio Scotland and they have an audience, but they're in their 60s or 70s, but he sort all start, wearing light
2: rainwear. Yeah. <laughs>
1: he started start talking about how they were, you know, nearly dead and yes. they were all laughing. You're a, you're a low flying angels. That's what he said to them, which I which really liked.
0: But, uh, he's a great comedian.
1: So well, uh, you know, any of those are in it all sounds quite interesting. So that, that would be uh, any of those would be good, wouldn't they? We'll see. I'm actually presenting the awards. Are you? you? Yeah. I you can have... make it whoever you want. You just <laughs> just read out whatever name you want. You could say Richard Herring, and the winner is it's a late I'll do Richard, you, you Richard Herring. Should I say Richard that. Richard Herring, and I'll come on here. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll... <laughs> no, no, no. It's a mistake. <laughs> Or you could do what Michael Jackson did where you go, you know, if, was, if there was an artist of the millennium, it would be, it would be Richard Herring. And then do you remember Michael Jackson, Britney Spears was presenting an award, but she just said, my artist of the millennium would be Michael Jackson. But it wasn't an award. It was, she was just saying that. And no, then, no. Mike, then Michael Jackson came on stage for oh, the no. award. <laughs> <laughs> going around going, oh, this is an amazing <laughs> honour to be the, the artist of the millennium, the pop artist oh. of the millennium. It's not that, you know... Not that amazing, because there was only pop music for the last 50 years (laughs) of that millennium. Well, should I do that? Uh, I'll I'll (laughs) say the the (laughs)
2: Edinburgh Festival comedian of the millennium is Richard Herring. (laughs) And just feel the audience <laughs> tighten up and feel their anuses shrivel. So look, we've got it's a competition. I'm sorry, I don't so know why it, I said it that. It would be
1: good. We've got a competition, you ch- you've got a chance to win those amazing prizes and there's less people in today, so that increases your chances, imagine that. So we need you all to stand up, ladies and gentlemen, and then we're going to make some statements that are either true or false. You have to decide. If you think they're true, put your hands on your head. If you think they're false, put your hands on the bottom of your own bottom. On the bottom, I said. It's, we should just bring a bottom in. A gigantic <laughs> bottom that you have to touch. It could be omids. Uh we could get a smile smiley to put his cock on it. And um uh so the statements will begin now. Um Josh Whitakham, uh, who has been nominated for the Best Newcomer Award, was uh, previously a journalist on a pornographic magazine, men men only magazine. That's what he works. Is that true or false? A lot of people have gone for true. I'm hoping it isn't true because I've just made it up. It's false. Uh, oh. I believe it. he worked for The Guardian, I believe, wow. as a sports journalist. So wow. Sit, you had sit to down if that. you got that wrong. We got, got rid of a lot of people there. Have you, have you got a statement? Uh, yes, R- Richard
2: Herring once uh, gave away a car uh, during his show in Edinburgh a few years ago. Is that true, true or, or false?
1: false? Bearing in mind I'm giving away a £40 wine voucher today <laughs> that has been sent to me for free. <laughs> that, is, that is true. Yes. Okay. that was this morning, Richard, not Julie. If you'd listened to all the podcasts, you would know that, so that is a reward for listening. Um, the newsreader, Kenneth Kendall, um, <laughs> who also presented uh, a Treasure Hunt. The sad news has just come through as I was looking at the Perrier Awards uh, backstage. Yes, the Perrier Awards, that he has died, sadly died this morning. Is that true or false?
2: If this is it's false, sad. this is really in bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that.
1: Is that true or false? Old, uh, old Mister patronising laugh has made his girlfriend go for true. I'm delighted about that because it's false. Uh, so uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I do it every day. That one, Nomi. Mean, that's just like, that's become, I do that, that fact every day. Uh, it catches out a few people, and one day it might happen. That's the thing. If it happens, I'm going to feel bad. Like I'm going to again. I feel like I'm magic. I can make things happen. Uh, One
2: more Um, uh, For my A level grades I got two B's and a C Is that true or false?
1: I think you might have to guess this one Unless you're in an examining board Uh, Is that true or false?
2: It's false false. I got nothing And I had lied my way into university
1: That's that's all you have to do kids If you did badly Just lie your way in Pete Hornberger from 30 Rock In the series 30 Rock He wants to be called Dallas That is what he wishes his nickname was Is that true or false? Pete Hornberger, if you watch 30 Rock, you'll know this. That is true. So sit down if you said false. So who's still in at the back? How many people still in? If you're still in the back, move forward a little bit so we can see you because some people are standing there. Oh, a lot of people at the back. It's almost like they're cheating back there. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like they know we can't see. Uh, have you got another, another statement about
2: uh, anyone? Yes. Um, I uh, once did a double act, double act with Boothby Graffo.
1: Oh, true or False.
2: That? It's actually true. Is it true? I didn't yes, know that. But I, it was a, a, a musical. I played the bongos. Well, <laughs> so it wasn't a comedy double act. It was a bit of a trick question. But I, I did do that good music too. with him, yeah. Uh, as a teenager, I
1: worked in Wookiee Hole Caves in Somerset. Is that true or false? The Wookiee Hole, where the Wookiee Hole Witch? For false. Man, man changed his mind when I said Wookiee Hole Witch. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, that is false. Uh, I worked at Cheddar Caves. That uh, got rid of no one.
2: So, everyone said at the back, have you got another one? What? I once experimented with homosexuality in 1968. <laughs> true, or, true or false?
1: Everyone, everyone's gone for false. Someone could win this. Yeah, Would tr- it be three years old? Of course <laughs> it's false. <laughs> well, it depends how you experimented with it. You could have got some Daniel homosexuals. Daniel Kitson was nowhere near. was <laughs> in a laboratory. Um, Uh, Daniel Kitson uh, won a Games Master golden joystick in 1994. Is that true or false?
2: Ooh, Ooh. got a few with their
1: heads. Yeah, that's false, I think. I don't know, he might have done, but there we go. Sit down. Who's Who's still in?
2: I think everyone's out.
1: No, there's two. These two, is it just that? Are you in them with the bearded gentleman? Are you still in? Yeah. Yeah, come stand in that little gap there if you're still in, so we can see. If there's only two in, then we... uh, The next question... Uh, is it your turn or my turn? doesn't really matter, does it? Um, the next question, whoever goes for the one first gets to say that. So that's, uh, I'll, I'll do one. Ben Moore, who uh, often comes up to Edinburgh uh, and uh, does fantastic plays uh, and was in Rara Rasputin uh, with me, uh, won uh, uh, blockbusters. He won five gold runs on blockbusters. You have to go for false, madam. That's cool. Uh, it is true. So you have, uh, Yay. you have won, sir. But madam, you'll get some prizes too, if I can find them. There's your prizes. And as it occurs to me, if you could take these to, uh, so you get to go see Martin Moore and uh, Marcus Bergman. If you could give, give those to the lady who lost, that would be uh, terrific. Have you planned out your whole day today? Well, the whole day. Yeah, well, this is the man yesterday who refused, two days ago refused. Your name, Gary? Colin, uh, yeah, it was good. It was a good guess, wasn't it? I could be like, if you, you'd been freaked out if I got it right. Uh, he planned out his whole day, refused tickets. Who else have we have Well, let's give, uh, let's. You can go and laugh patronisingly at Martin Moore <laughs> with your, uh, with your lovely wife. <laughs> Uh, and uh, oh well, we'll go with you two you look nice go and see Marcus Bergman a fantastic uh, comedian um, we've had a great day we, tomorrow we've got Paul Provenza and another comedian whose name has suddenly escaped me he's really good though <laughs> Bill uh, it's Bill
2: Bailey. Bill Bailey's yeah. Oh,
1: fuck, I can't remember his name. Uh, it's Bill Bailey. <laughs> wouldn't, it be ama- wouldn't it be amazing if I've got Bill Bailey on doing five minutes? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to... Is he a new up-and-coming... I'm surprised, actually, this young man has not been... Uh, I'm so, the, the reason I can't come up with his name is I'm so surprised he hasn't been nominated for Best Newcomer. He might have been. Joe Lysett is on tomorrow. I knew his name all along. No. Uh, and uh, will you please give it up for the two acts we had today? Jen Brister, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. <laughs> Only Ahmed Jalili, he knows Brad Pitt. Thank you. He knows Brad Pitt in real life. Do you think I look like Brad Pitt? Not at all. <laughs> I'm doing uh, What Is Love Anyway at the Cow Barn at uh, 8.50. What, have you got any tickets uh, left for your no, show? No,
2: I don't want anyone to come. Okay, I don't
1: want no one. Uh, please don't come. Thank you very much. Go back to your constituencies and prepare for government. Thank you very Cheers. much. Thank
2: you very much. Bye bye.